Hello, my name's Alex Clark and welcome to the Vintage Podcast. In celebration of National Poetry Day, we've gathered together some of the brightest and best new and young poets and we've put them together for you to enjoy. to be joined by Ocean Vuong and Kaio Chingonyi uh, today. Ocean, tell me, you've, you've travelled here from the States. Just tell me how it's going so far. Oh, it's been fabulous. Um, the, uh, the British readership has been so kind. And, you know, I, I, I said um, uh, to Robin, my editor, the, uh, the event at the London River Books was like uh, an extension of the living room. I didn't know I have... You know, uh, everyone uh, was there, and, and it was filled with poets, um, which was such a, a welcome, no matter where you go. But to be inhabiting uh, the space um, and and the land of of English poetry, <laughs> you know, the, the 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 mecca, if you will. So to me, uh, you know, I I went back to my um, literature study days, and I was thinking of uh, Chaucer and Milton and Shakespeare, uh, Keats, of course. Um, and even uh, you know late, later Virginia Woolf. To me, she's kind of a poet as well, just the way her sentences yeah. are and the way she thinks. I hadn't yeah. I hadn't thought of that even when reading your amazing collection, mm. Night Sky with Exit Wounds. I hadn't really thought of that idea of uh, because it really goes between Vietnam and the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't really thought of the place of English poetry, as it were. In yeah, it. yeah. But that's that that was a, a formative part. I, well, for me, I think my personal thought is that if you're working in a language, you should also always try to trace the language um, to its roots, right? And I think that's why the OED has been such an obsession of mine. Um, and if you're a poet worth his or her salt, you should interrogate where the words come from, how they change, because I, but I do think that as a poet, if we are true to the Greek definition of as maker, creator, we should be charging ourselves with the responsibility and the ambition to create a new language out of the old, right? So moving out of that tradition. And what I love about the English language is that it began with uh, the Chaucerian um, Middle English, and it was basically uh, whoever wrote it down spelled it his or her own way, right? And that sort of... um, Organic growth is, for me, the first permission of uh, manipulating and innovating the language, right? And so from there we go on um, and we have what we, the way we speak now. And, and even that is changing with texting, right? LOL, uh, OMG. And, and, and so I, I think that's a beautiful thing. This really fascinates me, the overlap um, between um, Ocean's ideas about language and yours, Kaya, because your book, your collection of poetry, Kumakanda, is just obsessed with that kind of protean nature of language, mm. with the way, and particularly through music, through lyrics, with the way it changes shape and form, and also with the way that we judge it, what we call art, what we call poetry, what we call music, what we call rap. Mm. So this must, must speak to you a bit. Yeah, I really subscribe wholeheartedly to what Ocean's just been saying about the mutations of language. Um, I'm really interested in a word's texture, uh, its history of association 
um, both through meaning and etymology, but also sonically. Um, it might be through rhyme uh, bent other possibilities that you didn't expect that word to include and incorporate. James Brown comes up very, very early. In fact, I think it's the first poem uh, in the collection. And there are other musicians. Eminem doesn't come off quite so well, <laughs> I must say. Um, and it's clear that um, rhymes, making rhymes, um, hip hop have had a kind of large part on your on the way you formulated language. Mm. Just to explain a little bit, if you can, it's a huge question, but how different these two forms are, the, the realm of performance and the realm of written poetry. Um, I think in the context of rap, poetry is, begins as a written form, even if you are someone like Biggie or Jay-Z who didn't write something down, there's a there's an aspect of writing to improvising and freestyling to the extent that you can make a whole song. So I think writing is a big part of having a performance that seems off the cuff or seamless. Um, yeah, so I think it comes back to writing in that way, but in performance the writing really takes on a new character. I wouldn't say that it lives because I love things written down and that were only meant to be written down and uh -huh. read in that way. Um, but there's a quality that liveness brings to words, which is that you are connected to their capacity to mean at the level of sound, which you're not necessarily when you read them on the page. Which is why we go to see people reading, because, yeah. you know, poetry, prose, you hear people read something and you suddenly get a whole new mm. meaning. I'm going to put this to the test now and ask you to read something for us, both of you. But um, Kyle, will you, will you start? I think you are actually going to read a poem that features Biggie. Yes, I am. Um, this is called Horse, which is, of course, the uh, basketball training exercise sort of akin to, akin to hangman where you have to where you have to match up to your uh, competitor august each of us in shorts a white tee this warmth has brought the ballers out in force and though he's been dead since 1993 my father and i play a game of horse next to us a group of friends play 3 on 3 backed by Biggie's elegant contortions to better demonstrate the importance of style. I stop, push off from my right knee, willing the flick of my wrist to yield the sort of gorgeous arc that's talked about for weeks. The rim gives back the sound of falling short. I pass the ball to the top of the key. Tata throws up a fadeaway and scores. I can't match him and collect the letter E. Thank you so much. Mm. Ocean, it's so interesting talking about, about parents there, that, the, the wanting that, that poem to feature, because we were saying just before that, that a lot of your work um, in this book has poets, embodies your parents' lives, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I think you're going to read something yeah, yeah. to us as well. Um, my, my mother is illiterate, and the, the war in Vietnam interrupted her education. Um, and she struggled with that because she can, uh, being, uh, having a veteran, an American veteran, as uh, her father, um, she can quote-unquote pass uh, 
as they say. Um, but as soon as um, she opens her mouth to speak, her language or lack thereof outs her, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, in a way, she there was no hiding. Um, and I always wondered what, perhaps what she would say or what she would articulate if she could write a poem. And so this poem is in her voice. It begins with a Vietnamese proverb. Không có gì bằng cơm với cá. Không có gì bằng má với con. Head first. Don't you know? A mother's love neglects pride. The way fire neglects the cries of what it burns. My son, even tomorrow you will have today. Don't you know? There are men who touch breasts as they would the tops of skulls. Men who carry dreams over mountains, the dead on their backs. But only a mother can walk with the weight of a second beating heart. Stupid boy, you can get lost in every book, but you'll never forget yourself the way God forgets his hands. When they ask you where you're from, tell them your name was fleshed from the toothless mouth of a war woman, that you were not born, but crawled head first into the hunger of dogs. My son, tell them the body is a blade that sharpens by cutting. Thank you so much. And perhaps this sort of comes to the heart of what one of the things that we're talking about today, which is giving voice to experience, um, an experience that um, might be historical, might be about rupture, might be about exile, might be about transition. Um, I get that sense from, from both of your books, Kai. Does that, is that something that sounds a sort of familiar set of concerns to you? I think so, yes. Um, I think the context in which the book exists is that in order to write this book, I had to leave the place I was born and be educated in a different country, in yeah. a different so you were born in Zambia. System of values. Yeah. yeah, I was born in Zambia. And um, in fact, I was fluent in English in Zambia because um, the education that I had was kind of bilingual, I suppose. Um, but I never would have written poetry had I been educated in Zambia. I may have appreciated it, but I don't think I would have written it. So in a sense, your creative life, your life as a poet, your mm. life as a writer, exists in the way that you've described it purely because mm, as a context have, of that in fracture. the context of you of that fracture exactly mm-hmm. and what does that mean for the poetry do you think um i think the poetry while the subject matter might get away from that um the poems can never get away from the context of their making entirely i suppose mm. um which includes what people bring to the poems once they know something about me um 
So I guess these are all things that come into my mind when I'm writing them at some subconscious level. Um, but I think that kind of trying to shake off that in some way is fruitful. It can be anyway. Yeah, it's 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 a, an argument, you know, that uh, that people are having a lot at the minute, isn't it? That mm. if you are a writer of color, a poet of color, a novelist of color, the idea that your subject matter mm. is prescribed, that, that that is the experience that you have to write about, is inevitably something that people will say, well, hang on, why? Mm. And also, like, why does... <laughs> the experience of like a group of people come into just a simplistic formulation like that as yeah. if yeah as if everybody's life isn't endlessly complex and subjective yeah ocean I, just just talk a little bit about that idea of that sort of representing an experience i mean there are a lot of poems here that are about um the leaving of vietnam the situation in vietnam mm-hmm. the um, difficulties of making a new life in a country as vast and complex as America, and yet they're individual stories, they're love stories, they're mm-hmm. stories of of tiny, tiny experiences. Right, right. And and there's a poem about the assassination of John F. Kennedy mm-hmm. um, in the voice of his wife, Jackie uh, Kennedy. Um, and so I think in that sense, for me, it was just writing about everything that was before me and everything that came um uh you know it, part of me as history and i in that sense i see myself working in the tradition of the first poets that we know of um homer and dante in that they were just pu- pushing themselves into the paraphernalia both political and personal um and then everything in between of their lives and making sense of it giving it form giving it architecture and I think ultimately for me, the book is an architecture for questioning um, the past and the present and what it means to be an American and what that means as an immigrant uh, immigrating to America and as a refugee, as a person of color. Um, I'm careful not to speak for uh, Vietnamese people, not even for my family, because a lot of the the scenes of war specifically uh, are not of my witness. And so I'm careful to present it in a way as a mythology, right? my own mythology, similar to how Homer wrote of the Trojan War 400 years after the fact, and also as a Greek, right? Um, and so I think on the other hand, you know, on the other side of this um, pigeonholing of uh, poets of color to write about certain subjects, I think we should also encourage non-POC uh, writers to write about histories uh, that they are involved in, right? White writers should write about Vietnam, should write about the uh, atomic bomb, right? And I think oftentimes the response is, uh, as not my story to tell, you know? And yet it is, right? How can we own the making of the atomic bomb but not its aftermath, right? And, and as white Americans, how do, we, how do we do that, right? And so I think I would encourage everyone to look at it as human history, that we're all involved, especially in this contemporary moment where the, glo- the global world has been so small um, and our atmosphere is continuously being polluted together. Uh, and so these questions are now crowded into the one space. 
And I would echo what James Baldwin says um, when he says that, you know, the idea of, 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 of whiteness uh, and white supremacy is a problem that we have an interest in solving as a species, mm-hmm. white, white people mm-hmm. included, that it's not simply located in a body, but that, that white supremacy is this larger, larger s- system of structures that, uh, that we all fail if we let it overcome us. I guess the poet in that um, schema yeah. is, has got to be, really, a sort of chameleon of some kind, socially, mm-hmm. class-wise, in all sorts of ways. You've got to constantly be reinventing yourself as a witness to something, to whatever mm-hmm. it is, something large, something small. Mm, I really believe in the notion that poetry should ride the bus, as um, mm-hmm. an American poet called Ruth Foreman she has a poem of that title. I like that idea of um, a poem which is something conceived of as a mysterious or arcane or somehow rarefied thing to be in the most everyday situation. Yeah, um, as it was, as yeah. it has been. Yeah. And for some reason, that doesn't always happen now. No, no, but it should, and it can, and it does, I think. I'm going to ask you both, if you would, just to read another poem uh, for us. Now I'm going to let you decide who's going to be first. Who would like to read a poem Would you first. like to go, Kaya? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, this is a poem called Fisherman's Song. Okay. What sadness for a fisherman who navigates the blue to find among receding nets strange underwater blooms that look at first like bladder rack, but from a closer view are clumps of matted human hair atop an acrid soup. And what song shall this fisherman, who loves a jaunty tune, sing to lullaby his children, when dark shapes in their room make the night a snarling monster only father's voice can soothe? And who will soothe the fisherman? who navigates the blue. Mm. And uh, I, I think perhaps, you know, the, we're talking about you know, the politics and subject matter. And I think sometimes there are days when one just has, one can rack one's mind and just has enough of it, you know. And um, in that case, I wrote this poem in the voice of a deer. <laughs> you know, uh, where does the deer stand in politics? I don't know, <laughs> but I'm often sympathetic to it because it is so often hunted, um, at least in the States. Yeah. So this poem's in the voice of, a, of one of the hunted among us. The Smallest Measure Behind the fallen oak The Winchester rattles In a boy's early hands A copper beard grazes his ear. Go ahead, the voice says. She's all yours. Heavy with summer, I am the doe whose one hoof cocks like a question ready to open roots. And like any God-forsaken thing, I want nothing more than my breaths to lift this snout, carved from centuries of hunger, toward the next low peach bruising 
in the season's clutch. Go ahead, the voice thicker now. Drive her home. But the boy is crying into the carcass of a tree, cheeks smeared with snot and chipped bark. Once I came near enough to a man to smell a woman's scent in his quiet praying, as some will do before raising their weapons closer to the sky. But through the grained mist that makes this morning's minutes, this smallest measure of distance, I see two arms unhinging the rifle from the boy's grip, its metallic shine sharpened through wet leaves. I see the rifle, the rifle coming down, then gone. I see an orange cap touching an orange cap. No, a man bending over his son, the way the hunted for centuries must bend over its own reflection to drink. Thank you both so much. That was just brilliant performances and a really fascinating conversation and go and perform thank you thank you, thank thank you for having us thanks so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed that do if you have a moment review us on itunes and if you do so you might even win some of the books that we've mentioned today until next time <laughs>